0: I didn't feel safe at school and I did not mm-hmm. feel safe at home. So it was literally just war at school and war. And I was very quiet. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't even know I was in class. Like I, mm-hmm. I was very quiet. I was very reserved. I was very, I, I was just quiet. I mean, I mm-hmm. was like invisible practically. And so I, I never really... Yeah, I just, you you know, as a kid living in that type of environment, you don't say anything. You shut the hell up. And so I did for 19 years.
1: Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. My book, When She Comes Back, is going to be out on May 11th. Right now, it's in pre-orders. You can order the Kindle, you can order the paperback, you can order the audiobook, but as a gift for anyone who pre-orders before May 11th, my publisher and I are sending out a gift of the audiobook, which I recorded in West Seattle at Cedar House Audio. So if you would like the gift of the audiobook version, please send me a screenshot of your purchase of the paperback of your pre-order along with an email address and I will send you the audiobook as a gift. You can direct message me on Instagram at Ronit Plank or on Facebook at Ronit Plank Creative or you can send me an email ronit at ronitplank.com with a picture of your purchase and the best email address to send you the audiobook and I will do that for you. Thank you so much. Today, my guest is Sabrina Oso. Welcome, Sabrina. Hi, Ronit. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I am really excited to talk with you. We had an initial conversation, I guess, December maybe, or maybe, yeah, probably December. And it's been a little while since we've spoken. So I'm excited that this day has finally come, and we get to reconnect, and I can learn a little bit more about your story. So I'm so intrigued by the project that you've started and the kind of services you offer to help keep uh, living quarters safe. So can you just explain a little bit about what that that is?
0: Sure. Um, My business is called Oh So Safe, Um, Feel Safe Where You Live, Work and Play. So what we are introducing into the real estate industry if you will especially right now to the landlord tenant part of that industry is something called the home sweet home the also safe home sweet home package or uh, the also safe home sweet home certification which includes the the package and in the package is a a policy, a seminar, and an app. And this will actually, uh, the policy is, is something that everyone signs. It would be an addendum to existing leases saying, look, I am a landlord. I promise to provide you a safe space for you to live you in turn as my tenant, you promise to not act in any way, shape or form abusively. Otherwise you, the tenant gets immediately evicted from the premises. Mm-hmm. And we go into full knowledge knowing that that would be the consequences. So there's no surprise. And then there's a, a seminar that everybody has to take before any keys are released. And then there are other components, but those are the two main components of the certification. And this really Keeps everyone in check Mm -hmm. for a landlord. It mitigates liability, maintains property reputation. Uh, Tenants will feel safer in an Oso Safe certified property. So we're really making this like a standard condition of residency, which is what residency should be really. So I I hope I answered your question. Yes, you do. And
1: I want to dig a little bit deeper into the abusive environment or abusive behavior, because it can mean a lot of different things. I mean, so many different things. So what was your main goal when you think about it? Because I mean, of course, I not knowing could think you mean abusive property, which may be part of it, but I, I feel like there's a different, there's a different level to it.
0: Right, right. Uh, abuse as in a pattern of coercive behavior. So, behaviorally, uh, if you are acting verbally, physically, or sexually, or a combination of all three, abusive in your place of residence. Mm-hmm. So, that includes. Uh, Verbal disparaging, beatings, uh, pulling hair, cigarette burns, uh, kicking, pushing, shoving, sexual assault, rape. There are fathers Mm -hmm. out there raping their daughters Mm -hmm. or stepfathers or stepmothers that are beating up their kids or mothers that are beating up their kids. So whatever any verbal, physical or sexual abuse that happens, we're covering it all. Mm-hmm. In an Oso Safe certified property, so and th- there is not to be any any abuse that happens in any residency. Uh, it doesn't matter the residency.
1: I, you know, this is this is something I've never heard about before. I don't know if you're one of the first companies to offer this or not.
0: It is new. It is new. And see, the we're we are not a nonprofit, and I say this. I try to be as clear as possible. I respect all of the nonprofits, all of the charities that do deal with domestic violence. I kind of even shy away from calling it domestic violence because domestic violence has such a stigma that it is a woman's problem and clearly it is not. And secondly, it assumes that all of the victims are female and that's not true either. So we prefer to say home violence because people can relate to a home, whatever that home consists of. You could be living with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your ex, your children, your stepchildren. So mm-hmm. it's whatever your home environment is. And as far as we are, we are providing a service, a bona fide service. And we, the way we see it, whenever you put your key into your lock, you should feel safe. You should feel like it's your sanctuary and not hell. You -hmm. should feel like you're not entering into a war zone. Mm -hmm. So, and this should be a standard condition of residency. And there are consequences when you don't act um, Mm -hmm. non-abusively. So it's promoting safety. It's And see what the charities and the nonprofits, their whole um, premise is, Okay, when he beats you up, when she beats you up, come to us and we'll help you we're looking to flip all of that. Mm-hmm. We're saying, no, let's be preventative. Let's at least make a concerted effort to stop this before it even starts. Mm-hmm. So people are educated right from the beginning of their tenancy. Uh, they'll know what the warning signs are. They will know the do's and don'ts of, of safety living, if you will, mm-hmm. versus non-safety. So this is really flipping the script, if you will. Yes.
1: And how, how, How has it been received? What what are the reactions to this, to what you're offering?
0: This is fairly new. So right now we're, we're I don't want to say targeting, but we're marketing this, like I said, to the landlord-tenant community. So we're doing like single family homes that are renting, like whether the landlord lives there or not, like some of them are two family homes, but single family homes where there is, renters there tenants right. so and this the reaction that we have been getting has been very positive because mm-hmm. people have been have been saying wow this is really new and I feel safer here I would rather live in a property that's also safe certified versus one that isn't mm-hmm. and we are speaking to also another part of the industry where for a landlord, this is profitable for, for him or her in the sense that their insurance rates will go down and their property mm-hmm. will be worth more because they are actually taking steps bonafide steps to make their tenants safe beyond, okay, I'll take care of the heat and the hot water, the electricity, the central air. Mm -hmm. We have window guards if there's children under the age of, uh, I believe the code is eight years old. Mm -hmm. We go beyond that. I mean, that's great. Obviously, with tenancy, you have to take care of all of that, but it's really meaningless if your tenants are not practicing safety within e- within themselves, among themselves, mm-hmm. each in each and every unit, because I could say to you, I could say, in especially in multifamily dwellings, you could be, you could get along great with your significant other, and you live in let's say unit A, but if you live across or above or below a violent family. Uh, let's say it's the father and the mother and then two kids and you hear screaming and yelling, you hear the children uh, crying. There are police that go to that residence, to that unit. It's affecting your residency. Mm -hmm. And typically what happens is the landlord then all of the, you're good, you're well-behaved. And when I say well-behaved, I'm saying where they practice safety, Mm -hmm. you're well-behaved, good paying tenants, uh, all vacate, and then you're stuck as a landlord with the abusive tenant, mm-hmm. or, or the abusive yeah the abusive tenant. So we're looking to we what we're doing okay. is flipping all of that. Mm-hmm. So why should your why should the good paying and the well behaved tenants leave? No, it's the abuser that should leave. So that way, as I said, you're you're keeping the integrity of the building, and everyone else is is feeling safe. Yes,
1: and you're also showing that there's a penalty for that kind of behavior because if uh, if a family doesn't want to get evicted or thrown out, they need to not do that.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's a deterrent, really. Yes. It, it becomes a deterrent, right? And I think
1: it's important to you know. I find I find it to be an amazing idea, and I also know that I, I feel like even if I didn't know some of your backstory. I would be curious about what brought you to develop this. And there's a lot of passion in your voice when you speak about the way people need to be protected. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what made you decide to create this.
0: Sure. Thank you for asking that. Uh, I've had uh, many years of therapy off and on for, for a while now that I can comfortably uh, and not that I'm, I'm okay that it happened, but that I'm open to say that I I am a a survivor of violence. My father beat my mother on a regular basis, um, and it was very traumatic to say the least. I, I mean, cops would come to the to the residence, uh, a lot of yelling and screaming. I mean, it was just a, a regular occurrence. I know what it's like to live in that type of environment. And really, essentially, it's really living with the terrorist. I know that sounds extreme, Mm -hmm. but that's the best way that I could describe it. Because if you're not safe in your home, where are you going to be safe? Mm -hmm. So it's not like you could hide in the bathroom or hide in the kitchen because the abuser is also living with you, and they also have access to the bathroom and the kitchen. so uh it wasn't until I moved out and i i'm I'm a dancer mm-hmm. uh, i i have uh, I've done some acting, but I am primarily a dancer and I could not even think about dance growing up. I couldn't even uh, I couldn't even mention it um that's how bad it was in my family. I had Do no you mean one because. Were you getting hurt? I mean, I
1: know you were hurt because of what you experienced growing up, but were you also a target, a direct target of the abuse?
0: Uh, My mother's the one that got abused all the time. But there was one time where, and I have to say, like just watching that, being a witness to that as a young, as a child is very traumatic. So Mm -hmm. as I say to people, every time he hit her, I felt like he was hitting me, Mm -hmm. but he did hit me once. He did hit me once. And actually, I put him in jail. Um, Wow, how old were you? I was uh I think I was 19 no 20 years old I was 20 years old and Ronit um I do not regret it not yesterday not today and not tomorrow um my mother had called the police um which I was shocked actually because she never called the police um for herself but when he hit me she actually called the police and they came and I signed the restraining order. And um yeah, it was very, very bad, very, very bad. And I did it almost also uh because he smacked me. He smacked me right across the face. And I did it as a, a statement to him to say, you ever touch me, I will, I, I will take this to the fullest extent. And mm-hmm. so I did. And um and and I wanted to set an example, you know, to kind of say, Mom never did this, so mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't regret it. And it, it was very it was so bad. It, it was very, very bad, uh, Ronit, you know, that, that's how bad it was that mm-hmm. I I as his daughter put him in jail, really. And Mm -hmm. um, he came back, um, the restraining order. I I was in court. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, it was so bad. And something that I distinctly remember the judge asking me, and I was sitting right next to my father. I mean, we were a few feet away from each other. And the judge asked me, are you afraid of him? Mm -hmm. And I answered, yes. Yes. And my father looked at me, I'm never going to forget this. He looked at me like, how could you be afraid of me? Mm. Like, as if all these years, you know, and at that point I was 20, 20 years old. So we're talking a good two decades, almost 15 years, I would say a good 15 years of abuse that, that I witnessed that it didn't even faze him. Like he just didn't even like he, he knew what he was doing, you know, the harm and, but, The look, I'm never going to forget the look that he gave me. Like, as if, like, how could you say that about me? I've paid for your schooling. Um, I gave you a roof over your head. I think that those were the thoughts that were probably going through his head when the judge was asking me and I responded, yes, I am afraid of you. Do you feel like he felt betrayed? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I I would say so. So it's interesting
1: because when you first mentioned that he looked over at you and you were kind of setting the scene. I wondered for a second, did he look at you intimidatingly, you know, and then you said he looked genuinely surprised. So he, you feel that he was genuinely surprised that you would think this.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I never asked him, you yeah. know, I never asked him because he, he passed away uh, three years ago. So I never asked him and, um, but I'm, I'm never going to forget that. So I don't, I, it was either, yeah, I, I know he felt betrayed for sure. Mm-hmm. And like, how can you think, how could you be afraid of me? Like, um, so. Which is it, the real it's, disconnect, isn't it? It right, seems like right. if someone is,
1: unless someone is really being manipulative, that is a very big disconnect to do that kind of violence and abuse in your family, in front of your children, uh, for so long and then wonder how someone could be afraid of you.
0: Right. Right. And, but I know that he knew what he was doing. He, like, I feel that abusers, they know, they, they, they know what they're doing. Cause it's, it's a lot of it is calculated, you know, what mm. they do and how they operate. You know, it's kind of like a, even a, a molester or a sex abuser or, you know, it's very calculated or a predator, you know, so. Um, yes, I've heard. I would, yes. I think a portion of it is that they don't realize how bad it is. But I mean, I would be crying. I would be just so distraught, you know, every time he would hit her. And, you know, how could he think, oh, you know, yeah, Sabrina's fine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And as a child, you know, as a little child, this unlike this started happening when I was 20. Mm. It, it started happening when you're a child. Um, it's all
1: part of the piece. And you also said to me in that earlier conversation that so much of your life was stolen because of your parents.
0: Right. Yes. And, and, to, to kind of tie it back to the dancing. Like I said, I, I couldn't even think about dancing. I, I couldn't even mention it. I, I, I kind of just had to put it on the back burner and I, it wasn't until I moved out that I kind of rebuilt my life for trying to get what was stolen from me, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of, uh, catch up on time, if you will. And, also oh safe really was born from a one woman show that I I designed that I created I I choreographed um and I performed in uh, as a as a as a one woman show and also with actually dance students of mine uh, this was a number of years ago mm-hmm. but. Um, in the show, it's called uh, Home Sweet Home. that That's the name of the show, question mark though. Mm-hmm. It's home, home Sweet Home for, and I play different women being abused. She goes to her good place. That's where the dancing comes in. But then she's pulled back into the terror of violence. But the show ends very strong, very empowering. And I did a lot of research for the show because I wanted it to be entertaining, but also educational. Hmm. And Ronita, I could not believe the statistics that I was finding. Can Um, you share some of them? Sure. Um, One out of three women will be beaten or raped in her lifetime. One out of five adolescent girls is abused by her boyfriend. One out of seven men is abused. By the end of today, four women will be killed by their abusive partners, and most of them will be killed after they leave their abusers. Fifteen million children witness violence in their own homes each and every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, about three hundred and twenty-four thousand pregnant women go into the emergency room not for pregnant-related issues, but for abuse-related injuries. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are just some of the ones that, off the top of my head, and I, I, I could not believe how prevalent it mm-hmm. is. So mm-hmm. I said to myself, I-, I need to make this into a business. I need to make this into a a paid service. Mm-hmm. So that way it actually gets resolved because the, I feel that as a charity, as a nonprofit, as I mentioned before, it's never going to get resolved. We cannot solve the magnitude of this problem by holding a bucket, waiting for donations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is why with the, with the certifications, it's a, it, it's a bona fide service. And that mm-hmm. way, one residence at a time, we will, I believe, I strongly believe that this will catch on one residence at a time, we will diminish and eventually prevent home violence. And that's how it should be. That's mm-hmm. how it should be. Well, it's when you,
1: when you offer those numbers, uh I mean, I guess you've known this, but to me, it sounds like an epidemic.
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Very. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. It is. Um, And COVID has actually even magnified it even more because we've been homebound. So um, it has even increased the need for it, really. Um, Do you, how do you, I, I wonder, having
1: had this background and knowing about all these statistics, is it hard for you to go through your daily life without being
0: completely concerned about all the people who are being hurt? It is difficult yes uh, it, it is difficult. Um, I I have to kind of um, what what consoles me and what gives me some relief force is that I have built a business mm-hmm. that is solving the problem and I know I know me personally if I had, This growing up, like the certifications and I had somebody come to the residence and say, look, uh, this property is going to be also safe certified or, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever you call it. I know my reality as a child and growing up as a young, young adult would have been much different, Ronit. Mm-hmm. It would have been much better. My mother, I think, would have, first of all, my father would have been evicted, right? So he mm. would have been evicted. He would have to get help. Uh, mm-hmm. my mother because we incorporate therapy in also in in mm-hmm. the certification so we don't just leave you hanging um we incorporate therapy a mental health therapists to actually kind of inject positivity mm-hmm. for the victims uh, whoever the victim is and let's face it the children are always the victims yes. by far so i know for a fact if i had this like i said I, we i would have been much better off much better off
1: when you tell about you know you you mentioned that obviously the abuse started when you were young so are your earliest memories of abuse i mean was there ever a time when he wasn't violent in your memory
0: um at times at times like um and I, i try to do this for myself like uh like what are name some good things that your parents did for you or, or taught you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that you're grateful for just as a healing, as a healing mechanism, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, my father named me and I, I do like my name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that named me. So that is a positive. And, and I, I know for a fact that they suffered their own abuse. I, I know that. So they never learned To not be abusive, but it's not an excuse. You know, uh, as we say, it also safe. Your one job as a former victim, as a survivor, your one job is to not continue the abuse that you went through. That is your one and only job. <laughs> you have to do everything in your power to not continue, not repeat the cycle. I, I am Italian. So to answer your question, I, I learned Italian from my parents. Uh, they they speak Italian. They would speak uh, in fact, that was my first language in kindergarten. Mm. So I am thankful to them that they they kept that. You know, uh, they, they kept that for me. Uh, just speaking Italian, and I'm I'm very fluent. And and there were times where he would uh, he would be funny, but it was so small, Ronit. Like it was just so. Well, also, I mean, I don't
1: understand how you could, how anyone could, how painful it must be to. I don't know navigate humor or good small moments and and have
0: to learn over and over again that it doesn't change anything right. The bad stuff definitely outweighs the the any yeah any good any a moment of good, you know any any moment of um see the thing is though when you live in that atmosphere, it's like living in a war zone, you know, in mm. fact, there was an article where soldiers that come back from from being deployed um it is comparable to children or anyone living with violence you know Mm -hmm. constantly being in an uh, alarm state Mm -hmm. constantly being panicked and worried and fear fearful because an episode of violence can occur at any moment, yes. There's no, there's no rational, there's no connection, there's no reason
1: or prediction. Like you can't predict when it's going to happen, so nothing makes real sense.
0: Right, right. And you're always waiting. Okay, and and mind you, the the, the violence would happen. You know, any yelling, screaming, verbal, physical abuse uh, would happen. I mean, I would get sick, you know, as children do. I was just going to ask you if you were ill at school or if you had stress-related symptoms. I would get sick a lot. I would definitely, my immune system was just very low. I would get sick quite a bit. And that would be a trigger for violence, uh, where my father would be yelling at my mother, see, you got her sick. How come we have to go to the doctor? I don't have this money to spend. Mm. So, you know, it would just be a snowball effect. One particular, uh, I'm going to try not to cry, which I, I'm, I'm not going to cry. But uh, I can cry. <laughs> I remember, um, I, I think, I, I'm pretty sure it was, I was in the seventh grade and my parents were fighting bad, and and you kind of know as a kid, like, wow, this is going to escalate. He's going to hit her, you know, like he's he's, like there was always yelling and screaming, always, always, always. But uh, and but not, it didn't always escalate to you know, physical violence, Mm -hmm. but, but it was just, I mean, my father, when he would yell, you could hear him down the block, you know, for sure. So at least outside the house. So it's not like he would be quiet or anything. So I remember in the seventh grade, there were, it was a Monday and a Tuesday. And I, I could not go to school because I, I, I vomited, I was home and they were fighting and they fought so bad that I got so scared that I vomited, um, mm-hmm. and that happened on a Monday and a Tuesday. I'm never going to forget it, never. Mm-hmm. And I went to school on Wednesday, and I had a project to do, and I I I, I did the project. I remember, you know, people asking me, you know, are are, are you? What happened? And I just made something up. Yeah, I was sick, you know, I was sick, but I'm never going to forget that. And you would think that my parents would stop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, here's their kid throwing up in front of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm in the seventh grade. So, how old am I? 12? 12. Like 12. Maybe? Yeah, 12. Yeah. yeah. And you would think it would make them stop. And nope. But uh, I mean, I, I went to the bathroom and I you know, I, 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 yeah. Oh, it was so bad. It was just so bad. And, uh, so yes, I mean, I had difficulty. I was, I, I did have difficulty at school. Um, I had to get extra help all the time. Mm. Um, did you have any mentors? Did anyone, do you feel like, do you feel like
1: anyone could tell something like was more deeply wrong for you at home?
0: No, Ronit. No, there was really no one. I have to say, um, mm. I, I, I'm amazed I'm, I'm even here because I, I was pretty mm. suicidal from 16 to 19 years old. I was very suicidal. Um, I, I, there was no one. There was no one that helped really. I mean, even the neighbors, um, okay. they actually kind of made it worse to a certain degree. Because, and and granted. Like as a neighbor, you shouldn't have to deal with this, right? Sure. You, you shouldn't have to. So I, I get that. I understand that. But uh, I remember one neighbor, he he came to the house and, and my father had reached over to my mother, brought her to the ground. Like he pushed her to the ground in front of my neighbor.
1: Mm.
0: And then after it was all over, my neighbor said, just ignore him. And I'm never going to forget that not one neighbor or, or anybody, anybody like in the family, like um, uh, a distant cousin or whoever, you know, said, you know, Come, come, come! Live with us, or we're here for you. Or uh, I'm so sorry that this is happening. Or your dad is wrong. Or n- never, which never. means
1: that you never got any kind of sense of validation for how miserable and
0: and scary and terrible right. your childhood was. Right, right, yes. And at school, I mean, see, I was a like it's it's a it's a known. Um, and it says, as strong as uh, Fort Knox, as a child, you know, never, ever to say anything. It's a mm. written, an unwritten law. You mm. don't talk about it. You don't say anything. You don't mention it to anyone. So at school, um, like I, I couldn't, I never said anything to any teachers or any. And your friends, like a good friend had no idea either. I was severely bullied at school. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say uh, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Fifth grade is when it's kind of started. Sixth grade, um, seventh and eighth grade was very bad, very bad. Mm -hmm. Severely bullied. I mean, I wasn't the only one, but I was definitely one of the bullied ones. Mm -hmm. And if anything, like I didn't feel safe at school and I did not Mm -hmm. feel safe at home. So. It was literally just war at school and war. And I was very quiet. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't even know I was in class. Like I, mm-hmm. I was very quiet. I was very reserved. I was very, I, I was just quiet. I mean, I was mm-hmm. like invisible practically. And so I, I never really, yeah, I just, you, you know, as a kid living in that type of environment, you don't say anything, you shut the hell up. And so I did for- 19 years. It wasn't until college that I opened up and I trusted a friend and she cried with me the whole time when I was telling her I actually opened up and I I told her everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, Sabrina, you need to go get help. You you need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying to her, yeah, but I'm not the one Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not the one who's, who's violent. You know, my parents are my father, my, you know, my mother. Mm-hmm. My, and she said, yes, but you'll be helping them if you go get help. And that really stuck in my head. You know, it really mm-hmm. stayed in my consciousness. And, and Thank then goodness I- goodness for that friend. I, yes. Yes. Um, yes. And I, and so I did, I, I, I don't know how long it took me from when she- talk to me to when I actually mustered up the courage to go and get and, and use the psychological services actually at my university. Yeah. But, and I remember I was, I was scared. I was ashamed. I, I said, this is stupid. What am <laughs> I going for? You know, all of the noise, <laughs> but somehow some way this friend though, she kept, she did not give up on me. She, she kept on me. I, I maybe, I don't know, like, I can't remember now. Maybe she said, did you go? Um, but she was never pushy. She, she never blamed me. She never said you know, because as a kid, as you grow up in this environment, you're blaming yourself for your parents' problems by far. You're, you're blaming yourself, which also contributed to the suicide. And I was going to ask you about that. How do you, how do you, what do you think accounts for the fact that
1: you, you stuck it out from 16 to 19? I mean, how, why do you think you made it past those years?
0: I don't know, Ronit. I don't even know. I because I, I did not meet that friend till 19. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, 18, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met her 18 and um um I, I the only way I can answer that is that a part of me did die. I, I think and the fact that I knew I could commit suicide, yeah, because I, I was I was uh I tried several ways. So um Oh wow, you're (laughs) digging deep. (laughs) Um, I don't even know, Ronit. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I I I don't even know because um, maybe that one friend that kept that kept that did not give up on me. Um, I think that's the only explanation, and also that I I just thought that I could always do it. You know, I could always do it. So. Uh, but I, I was in very bad shape. I mean, uh, the the psychologist or the psychiatrist um, said, Look, you're 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 about to have a nervous breakdown. We want to medicate you. And I, I refused medication. I did not want to take any medication. I said, look, if any good is going to come out of me, I want it to be naturally, because I said to my instinctively, I just said, if I medicate myself, I, it's gonna make it worse. Like I don't mm. wanna be numb. And and you know, so I, I just stayed away from that and um and, and we encourage that like with with anyone going through violence that you don't have to be medicated. And in fact, we discourage that you can you can come out of this without medication. Oh, um, I was also thinking
1: about who you are today and the work that you do now and what you speak about. I mean, do you think that the 16-year-old you would not believe how you turned out? I Think she would say, Wow, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I,
0: you're, you're,
1: but from going to from keeping something so quiet and personal and and bottling it up for your fear and because of the spoken, the unspoken family rule not to share, you know, to, right. to now talking about it, you know, it's like I want to know how you became this person.
0: A lot of therapy, you know, a, a lot of therapy, a lot of um. Because after I did a, ther- a semester of therapy at, uh, at, my, at my college, at my university, the, the, the doctor there said, uh, look, you need to continue. You need to continue therapy. And so I did. I, and because I was a student, I couldn't use money as an excuse because it was free. You know, it, it was part of the, it was part part of the tuition. So, so but then afterwards I was a student. Uh, I was still a student. So I went to a, like a mental health clinic. And, and to this day, I, I still see that same therapist oh, from wow. 19 years old. Um, Yeah, from 19 years old, off and on, I still see her. And she would say to you, actually, Sabrina has, she's a completely, she came into her own. Like she was a completely different person. She's the person that she should be. She should have been, you know, like I... I, I, I I say to my, you know, I should have been dancing, you know, at three years old, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm I'm a dancer. I should have been one of those young children who danced and went to recitals and, and auditions and which I did, but not till later, mm. you know, much later. I studied heavily in New York City. I was shuffling between the three major dance studios and uh, I was auditioning heavily. I was I was completely immersed and submerged in the dance world, um, going to every audition, getting, getting gigs, and um, but then I, I started writing my one-woman show and um, and performing it actually p- performing it for different venues, um, and uh, yes, I'm I'm very different. I like I said, it, it steals your life, mm-hmm. violence, so you. You have to spend so much time catching up and, uh, and, and like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be doing. You know, um, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. your personality, your your just, just a, a lot of things. A lot of things suffer when you live oh. in that type of environment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I think
1: you said in an earlier in our, when we talked the last time that you, you never thought that you were going to have children, right?
0: Correct. Uh Yeah. Correct. I I was scared to. I was scared to. I was very I did not want to make the same mistakes as my parents. And um and that hurt me a lot because uh, now I'm at a point where I do want children and and um I, I do believe I, I can um I'm going to keep the faith, you know, and I'm I'm not religious. I'm I'm not religious, I'm not, um I'm spiritual, um, but I am going to keep the faith that I can. But that's another aspect that that uh, is stolen from you, really. You know, because then, because then you're looking at children through the eyes as a victim. You know, like you don't want to repeat the same mistakes. You don't want to uh, impose that onto your. And this is all noise, really. You know, you don't want to go through the same. You you like like uh oh I don't want to do to my kid what was done to me and uh I don't want to if I'm in a bad relationship, I don't wanna become like my mother. So all of these thoughts yes. you know, yes. run
1: through your head, you know. So what do you think changed that now you feel like it's worth trying?
0: Um I didn't know how much joy a child could bring. Hmm. I, I had no idea. I, I had no idea that a, a child could be so joyful and and add to your life, not take away.
1: I think yeah. you talking about you know you mentioned before, and you've sort of touched on it a little bit here, but the idea of domestic violence education and working to help fight it, and how it's important to keep the message of empowerment and positivity, and not you know a downtrodden victim. And can you can you just talk a little bit about that and why that's so important?
0: Yes, I personally don't like uh, seeing the the typical you know domestic violence images with the woman with her hand in her on her head and mm. the the fist. You know, those are the typical. And I I, I understand th- those are the images that correspond to violent situations or you know abusive situations. I get that. Mm. Um, however if you're if we're going to what is it grab what's the saying um bees with with honey honey, you catch more bees with honey yeah right uh you're you're going to have to put some some sort of positivity to it and i know you know home violence is a heavy subject obviously Mm -hmm. it's a heavy subject however there is encouragement and this is what oh so safe is all about it doesn't have to be you can come out of it you can you can not only survive, but, but be, we're, we're shooting for victory and mm-hmm. triumph and winning and, and living a life of abundance and, um, and, and not taking any, uh, I curse all the time. So uh, <laughs> not, taking say <laughs> any, not taking any shit from anyone and, yeah. um, really, and, and, and you're strong and, you are strong. As a victim, you are strong. It's just that your abuser has made you believe that you're not and, and Mm -hmm. stripped that away to a certain level, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. Mm -hmm. So, and I know in the work that I do, people listen to me more or listen to Oh So Safe um, when we talk about it in an empowering, encouraging, positive way Mm. where like about safety uh, and and safety is a good word. It's a good word. It's a positive word. When we talk about, look, you have to learn how to practice safety. And this is indeed a practice. If your child comes home and tells you, look, mom and dad, I'm gay Mm -hmm. or mom, dad, I'm pregnant. You don't beat the shit out of them. You uh-huh. talk it over with them. You get therapy. You say, "Okay, let's let's see how we're going to handle this." But you don't resort to, uh, yes, there's going to be fighting. There's going to be arguing and discord. That's normal. We're not saying, I'd also say, if, yeah, never fight, never, never disagree. You're never going to raise your voice. Of course you are. You're going to fight with your boyfriend. You're going to fight with your girlfriend. You're going to have disagreements. But it should never, ever cross the line of abuse. Not mm-hmm. verbally, not physically, not sexually. And mm-hmm. that is... Period over and out. There's no excuse. <laughs> so if your kid comes home with bad grades, you don't beat the shit out of them. You you talk it over with them and say, look, do you need extra help? Is it us? Is it us as parents? Is it us? You know, are we are we being unreasonable? Are we, you know, it, it's a whole examination, you know, yes. everything has to be looked at. And um so so there's positive it has to be in a positive light uh it has to be in a in an empowering triumphant victorious uh uh, light uh so and and this is what how we how we operate and how we just how we market ourselves Mm -hmm. yes you know i'm
1: wondering how how people can best find you and connect with you and see the work that
0: you're doing my website is ososafe.com uh, I'm on all of the social media the major social media platforms uh, Facebook LinkedIn Twitter alignable uh, Instagram on my website I it, it's where my updates are really um mm-hmm. so that would be the best the best uh, to get even to get information obviously on warning signs on uh, I have a lot of a lot of good content on there. I have my email address is sabrina at oh so that that would be the best That's way great. to reach me. <laughs> yeah, well, I I've learned a lot today. You know, I
1: I feel like everyone's story is unique to them and your perspective on what you experienced has helped me understand a lot about what you went through, and also why you do what you're doing, and I think that how you've come to this place is just a miracle.
0: Thank you, Ronit. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I actually said it on an interview. I, I was um, something along the lines of what surprises you about yourself, mm-hmm. and I think I answered considering what I went through and and everything that I've I've, I've been through. It's that I am my own miracle. Mm -hmm. um and i'm not saying this to be narcissistic i'm not saying (laughs) this at all i'm Mm -hmm. not saying this to toot my own horn but uh considering it is indeed uh, i'm amazed i that i that i didn't go through with it
1: thank you for listening to and then everything changed for more on this episode photos, and other episodes you might like, please visit ATECpodcast.com. You can connect with me and learn more about episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also. Just search for my name, Ronit Plank, R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K, and you will find all the updates. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also rate and review so other people can find it. Thank you so much for listening.